It really is something that obviously strengthens your central idea. It immerses you in the world of the character. I only use music when sounds can no longer tell the story. This is one of these examples where sound starts to blend into musical strains. So music and sound are working together to create the horror. What did you say? At the moment where he throws the firecrackers, the sound then bursts into music. So it's, it's a blend. It's not like you have sound and then music takes over. They're working together. Colour is also really important. In the Babadook, I wanted a really reduced colour palette. So blacks through to whites, blue, some pinks, burgundies, that was it. Drove my production designer mad trying to achieve this effect. So I'm obviously very focused on actors, but I feel equally focused on camera. My job is to move an audience in some direction. And I think camera has a lot more to do with that than some people realize. So if it needs to feel cold and sparse and, and bare, I might do really sort of locked off wide shots. 
I used a lot of that in the Babadook. As the film went along, she would drift off to the side, and so we had a lot of negative space, which makes an audience, whether they're aware of it or not, start to feel uneasy. I wanted it to feel like a pair of hands gently placed on the audience's neck, uh, growing tighter and tighter and tighter until they felt they couldn't breathe. And the camera, amongst other things, was a way to achieve that. So this is the one and only Babadook POV. <laughs> I wanted us to see her seeing it. This shot makes me laugh because the camera was on a rope and we just hoiked it down the stairs, which is probably not good for insurance, but um, that's how we got that shot. The effect for me emotionally was like the air being sucked out of the room and her life being over. I felt an enormous responsibility to stay within the skin of that female character. I think audiences have become very anaesthetised to violence on screen and it's something I find disturbing. I looked at, at all scenes of sexual violence that I could find and one common thread I found was how ob objective they were. They've been often told from the male gaze we were removed from, usually a woman, usually removed from her experience. You know, people say, oh, these scenes are so shocking and disturbing. Of course they are, and we need to feel that. I think when we become so removed from violence on screen, this is a very irresponsible thing. So I wanted to put us right within the frame with that person experiencing the loss of everything they hold dear. All right. This is the way I've created two films. I don't know if it's going to be the way I work on the next one. I think what's more important than that is to have a really strong point of view that comes from your very being. I think uh, there is so much content out there now, the word freaks me out, and I think we are perhaps in danger of losing a strong, unique, individual point of view. Spend time looking to find your own way of processing the world, what you want to say, and make it count, make it meaningful, and make it something that's going to impact your audience and move them in some direction. Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. 
I'm Jack Draper. With me, it's Clay Williams with a top hat on and scarecrow-looking features. Um, it's kind of weird. All your lights are off right now, and I can I can't really make you up. I can like you know see like your you can see the white paint that I put on. Like, right, 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 right. The white paint. And yeah, just right. I've just studied German expressionism and just thought, hey, this is the time. I mean, I didn't really mm. see this was planned before we knew what movie we were covering. I'm like, okay. May 11th, I'm going to put on some German Expressionism, you know, uh, influenced, you know, attire and just look super creepy. And I think that w- that I just felt that felt right, even though I it would no be idea we were more weird if you would do this for like the Grandmaster. Mm. Like that would be, oh, like happened. Yeah, but that was the second. Uh, but but no, I, it makes sense. That was the second choice, though. So that was that was that was the <laughs> issue. I didn't think a Wan Kar Wai film would really fit my just complete you know unnerving uh style of dress uh and uh suits and long sharp knives for hands are those knives i don't know they look a little bit like knife-esque but then it leaves emma and myself we just are like casually like oh where are we supposed to dress up or are you just you just, you just dressed up like I'm a trailblazer. Like I don't know what you want me to tell you. I'm an innovator. I just I go against the curve. So that's that seems like yeah. a you, you issue. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. That's that's what I do best at. But speaking of innovators and trailblazers, with us today, it's Emma Arnold. Thank you for being. Hi. Here. Thank you. What a intro. Uh, innovator <laughs> and a trailblazer. Thank you. Yeah. I know. Um, I'm also wearing this, my Babadook uh, outfit, so. Right. <laughs> oh shit! I sorry didn't see if that. I gave oh, it, sorry if I gave right, away the right. the movie. I I don't know. Maybe you do that at the end. I don't know what you're. Yeah, at the end we say, "Oh, that was the movie we we're talking about." <laughs> That's yeah. by the way. Yeah. If you haven't guessed already, it's Babadook. An hour and what we just talked in. about was yeah. <laughs> Anyone guessed yet? Anyone guessed yet? Sound off at Birds of Clay if you had guessed what we talked about. Um, yeah. Before we get into the Babadook, which feels like one of the most famous. Uh, 2010s horror. I feel like it's kind of like become like a um, legendary status at this point in my eyes. Like, let's get into what we've been watching recently, Emma. This is where we talk about what we've been watching recently. Um, if you if you would like to go first, sure. just to like, um, I have been nice very busy there. for the last couple months, and I haven't had a ton of time to watch movies. But I recently, for the first time in a while, went to the theater uh, with um, my husband and a friend, and we were like. What should we see? And we were like, fuck it, let's go see Renfield. And uh, that was because I had just bumped into somebody the night before who was like, if you need something just like fun and stupid that's not trying to be more than it is, go see that. And I was like, perfect. So we went and saw Renfield and uh, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought Nicolas Cage just is so good at like leaning all the way into a thing and not at all trying to like hold back and and be a little too cool for the role and uh there's you know i liked uh nicholas holt a lot in it which i was surprised in the beginning i was like i think i'm gonna find him very annoying in this but i didn't he was fun the plot was stupid and fun the you know the 12 step nod through the whole thing uh also very i think it's very sweet how this like current crop of tv and movies like boy you sure can tell everybody's in therapy right like um everything is very like i'm tackling my codependency issues 
and also here's a movie about a vampire that's also doing that so i don't know uh yeah i thought it was really fun the whole thing is kind of based around like what if dracula was a narcissist and that was really his main issue um it was fun it was fun and dumb and i liked it it was very fun mm-hmm. uh and the other thing i watched uh i watched it at home it's streaming i think i said on amazon prime but uh i saw nanny by uh Nikki Yatu oh, Jusu. Fuck, yeah. it was so brilliant. In fact, I haven't seen a whole lot about it. I follow her on Twitter and I had seen her promoing it and stuff. And uh, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's deep. It's dark. And like, gosh, it's just, it's through the whole thing, you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And it's better than anything. It's kind of like Babadook Sally. You're like, this is a horror movie about real horror told uh so well and so artistically and so intelligently um that huge recommend from me uh nanny is is great i would check it out immediately if you haven't seen it yet yeah that's a big on the watch list because so many people have been praising that also that poster i mean nowadays Mm, posters fucking suck so that that poster rules that is such a that's absolutely eye-catching it's uh, which beautiful. is so and you know, rare nowadays. You know how everything is like poorly lit now and everything looks like garbage? This is like the uh, opposite of that. Like it's yeah. just stunning through the whole thing. So, uh, and the writing is, is spectacular. I like loved it. I immediately wanted to watch it again because I was just like, oh, fuck. I feel like isn't, a second, yeah, isn't that a second nice? watch, you're like, oh, I yeah. need to immediately watch that again. So that's those are the mm. two things. Oh, and I watched Jury Duty, which I don't know if you've checked out yet. Oh, I keep fucking what yeah. I, I can't believe you haven't seen it because yeah. I want nobody is watching it and I can't talk to anybody about it because it's very like you don't want to like give anything away uh it's crazy yeah. it's the the rebirth of reality television into something completely different and I was very troubled through a lot of it like by the ethics of what was going to happen to this man who if you don't know the premise yeah. it's there's a, a jury trial and only one person is does not realize it's fake and he's on the jury but everybody else the lawyers uh mm-hmm. the defendants you know everybody else is the judge everyone else is an actor uh, i was quite worried about the ethics of it because you're like is this really gonna fuck this person up but i feel like in the end they handled it well and and it's so interesting it's so interesting uh just sort of watching someone be ethical in all these like different times where he could have been a piece of shit yeah anyway i won't talk about it anymore but you should definitely check jury duty out it's on freebie mm-hmm. on oh yes. yeah that's right i had to get freebie yeah. yes well it's free you I, see I, yeah <laughs> i would say it's 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 had a decent amount of exposure but its problem is like definitely the freebie yeah. of it all like it's so oh, worth it i, need to get? I know and like, everybody's like i'm yeah. not getting that and i'm like but it is worth it <laughs> And it's uh-huh. and they and even though it had uh, I think we I think it had ads even I can't remember yeah that's what freebie is yeah. it's all ad based even yeah. still it was worth yeah. it because I was like fuck I haven't watched anything since the rehearsal it kind of gave me the I don't know if you watched mm. that where you're like what yeah, is happening rocks, yeah. you know so yeah I would yeah. definitely check that out it's worth getting freebie is James Marsden you know, one of the jurors yeah yes yeah. I'm a, yeah. yeah like in the ads like he's like. I'm a very famous person. And he <laughs> like, is so like willing to lean yeah. into this like he's role of being a total yeah. douchebag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's he amazing. like does stuff that is you're like, I'm kind of surprised he'd be willing to to be portrayed this way. But he has such a good sense of humor about it. 
yeah, it's he's really great. I love he's very that's so and he clearly risky. Has a great sense of humor, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, he's what, what's good. What's great is like, you know, he doesn't have he doesn't have like a persona. He can just sort of like flow through yeah. the show where it's like. He doesn't have like a thing that he has to uphold. Or he doesn't have to be next. Like, like, he brings to each character. He doesn't have to be next right. to a CGI like, animal. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. But he's yes, done twice. Obvious, he's done yes. twice. I think more, more than twice. Well, I guess three times Pretty since sure. there was a Sonic sequel. Yeah. But it, Hop yeah. or whatever, like, one of the bunny oh, right. fucking yeah. movies, yeah. and then the Sonic movies, and it's just one of those things where you're just yeah. like, fuck, man, you gotta oh, get a God. better agent. The only thing I will tell you is the guy who is not an actor at one point. He like was like, oh, I remembered where I know you from. You're in That's Sex so Drive. That's so funny. You're in Sex Drive. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies, which is so yeah. like you're even like this has to be a bit, right? This is fake, right. right? And it's not. He loves the movie Sex Drive, and he's he's even like he goes home and he watches Sonic just to be nice to James Marston and to be like, hey, I checked out Sonic. Like you were pretty good in it. And it's like, oh my god, <laughs> it's really great. So yeah. Check it uh, out. It's good. so weird. And mm. it made me happy. I was like, I love to see people doing weird, creative, innovative, uh, not mean-spirited shit, you know? Right. Like, it's it's good-natured. It's kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the similar comments also could apply to uh, the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Like, you're questioning the ethics throughout the entire thing, but then you sort of ha- gain trust with uh, Nathan Fielder as it's going on. But then it ends, you're like, oh, wait, this is actually, you know, for the betterment of everyone involved. Yeah. But, you're like, oh, he was having yeah. those same questions throughout the whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry some, yeah. sorry, my neighbor's mowing their lawn. Uh, well, we can't hear it, so it's fine. Oh, perfect. Oh, it adds some ambiance. Um, <laughs> for myself, I started a new television show as well because I saw the new season was coming and I'd always wanted to see it with the other two. Uh, for those that don't know, it focuses on the other two siblings of like a Justin Bieber, Sean Mendez esque, like young singer, pop singer, and like it's very, it's very, very, very funny. The other two is that Just, what it's called? The other two. Oh, I think I heard of it. I've never even heard of it. Um, it's it's like I, I like it's joke. It's a lot of jokes per. Like twenty minute episodes. Um, it's been out since twenty nineteen. Uh, I don't. I don't know culture. I don't understand. <laughs> there's so many, There's a lot of TV out there. Don't Molly yeah. Shannon, Wanda Sykes is apparently in it. Uh, what? what am I doing? How with am my I ever heard of this? Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Ken Marino is nice. in it. Um, and Richard Kind. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. What the yeah, fuck? Um, Beck Bennett. Yeah. This is like okay. All right. All right. What's wow. it on, okay. Jack? H- it's on HBO right. Max. Oh, Max. Just Excuse Max. me. No, Max. no, we're not okay. doing it. I'm not giving. I'm not giving Zaslav the satisfaction. It's called HBO Max. <laughs> you motherfuckers. <laughs> Home box office maximum. Uh, Ooh, I like that. That's what why do they? Why um, do they hire you on that stuff? That's perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is, right? It's just, um, I have just watched uh, nothing. Um, no, I. Uh, I've rewatched all the like Mr. Freeze episodes from the Batman animated series. <laughs> just the I Mr. Was just, Freeze ones. <laughs> I it, it was just nostalgic, and those and those are usually the highlights because that's like it's one of those times where they're like, okay, we're gonna really do some serious writing or like character driven writing here. 
Um, and yeah, I like, I think there's like, so it's like two episodes of the like original series, one episode of like the revamped and then, uh, the, the last episode is for like their spinoff. Um, but yeah, I mean, Paul Dini is a great writer. Um, he did most of them. The first ep- the first one they did won a daytime Emmy. It's like probably one of the more famous episodes of the original nineties animated series. Um, kind of, it's redefined a lot of characters, um, so funny people don't understand don't realize that that show basically fundamentally changed a lot of comics like that was it was like it it was it reflected back into the uh, the original medium vice rather than vice versa like it inspired the um comics almost more than the not more but um almost just as much as the comics inspired the actual show um but yeah, and I in the NBA playoffs, those are the two things. Which is this is that's that, that's me to a core, random Batman shit and the NBA playoffs. Just the the dichotomy of who I am as a person. Um, so that's that's what, that's <laughs> I know, what if, I've been. If we were to break your skull open, it's like that's your don't do that. Like, I like my me- skull memory. <laughs> oh, I have one more. Can I tell uh, you one more? I. I Please. have also been uh, watching Southside because everybody was tweeting about how it got canceled. Oh, that's right. Oh, my fucking God. I think it's the best comedy show I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe how late to the game that I'm just finding out about it as it gets getting canceled. Uh, I eat. I, I feel like, you know how like sometimes you'll get like a really savory treat and you're like, I'm going to eat this so slow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to really take my time. That's how I've been watching Southside mm-hmm. is I'll watch. Because like talk about jokes per minute. The jokes are so fast and so funny and so smart that I literally watch it like holding my breath almost where I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't want to miss anything. And I'm already like, I can't wait to watch it over and over. It's so Will smart Miles and so funny. Yeah, Will Miles is in it. He's so funny. Uh, and it is. I mean, God, it's just it's the best written thing I've seen maybe ever. It's so brilliant and um, so personal, like does such a good job, uh, you know, building empathy for even some of the characters like there's a, a female cop who's a real dirtbag but you're still kind of like but i do love her you know it's so funny right so yeah do <laughs> absolutely check out south side there's a petition to bring it back it it won't work i'm sure but like uh it's yeah it's so good it's so funny yeah that's awesome yeah that's so cool. another literally another show that started in 2019 on hbo max that i just have no real context for I, I mean, I heard about it when it got. That's the thing. It's all. It's always what happens. You hear about it when it gets canceled because that's when, like the like, that's the spike of um, mentions. That's when everyone galvanizes together to talk about it. Yeah. Ra- almost rather than when it's going on. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. just like my beloved reboot. <laughs> oh, the reboot. Yeah. Yes. The uh, that's the great. little show called yeah. reboot because I feel like when you say that, people don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no. I mean, well, that's that's a part. Of, I mean, you are a part of the problem. I am. You, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yet I just you don't watch decide it. Mm-hmm. to not. Watch well, you it. better watch Emma, Southside. If you, for, for I yes, I, I, but if Will Miles I'll, sold me is in the funny. The, I I really like his comedy. He's really funny. But I mean, you know, reboot the show on Hulu with like you know, John Knoxville, Keith Michael Key, Rachel Bloom, like about a, a TV show from the '90s that's being rebooted in like modern oh funny uh, television era it's I'll really it's That's... i i hate that this is my thing that it's really it's just really good <laughs> it's really 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 like well done and like the character dynamics are so funny. i wrote both those um, down i'm gonna on check them both out Blue. yeah awesome um 
but let's let's get into the Baba joke, you guys, um, and how we had this movie enter our, our lives. Like, what our first first exposures are, are like. Um, if anybody would like to go first, where'd you get this? On the shelf. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Baba Duck. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Baba Duck Duck Duck. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Nothing bad's gonna happen, Sam. Did he think that about my dad before he died? He sees things as they are, that one. I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh, my God. Did he hurt anyone? The boy has significant behavioural problems. This monster thing has got to stop, all right? It's just a book. It can't hurt you. Stalking me and my child. You can't get rid of the pepper dog. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. I didn't see it in the theater. Thank God. Um, because right. uh, I feel like I would have been a wreck in a theater. I saw it just like at home. Uh, and actually, it's funny because you you guys asked me for a list of movies. And I I like made this list and I put Babadook on and then I took it off and then I put it back on and then I took it off because I was like and then I was like because I really didn't want to talk about it because it is such because I was like if I t- talk about it I'm gonna have to rewatch it and it's such a fucking difficult stressful movie for me to watch even though I think it's an incredible movie uh but then I put it back on and then of course you guys chose it and I was like fuck uh but then actually so I rewatched it a couple of days ago and I'm really glad I did even though just our luck yeah I was just like I'm really glad I did rewatch it because I was like, God, this movie is as brilliant as it as the first like when I first saw it, and it's so so layered. Like, oh man, I so yeah. The first time I saw it, it really fucked me up. Like, I, there's a lot happening in that movie that I identify with. I'm a mom. I have a neurotypical kid. Uh, I was an abused kid. I was raised by addicts. Like, I think one of my favorite things about that movie is how multifaceted it is. Like, you can really watch it from a lot of different angles. And it hits 
every angle for me and every part of me is both horrified and so grateful that someone captured my experience so perfectly like I was raised by a very mentally ill parent um who was very changeable in the moment like that like so many of the things uh in that movie like really gut punch me but also it's so beautifully done and I in re-watching it I really was just like I cannot fucking believe that someone wrote a movie that so beautifully and perfectly captures uh so so many pieces of the the experience of being a mom like of motherhood um so so well like there's the scene where uh her son climbs into bed with her and then he's grinding his teeth and touching her and he won't stop touching her i cannot tell you how fucking accurate to motherhood that is where you're just like stop touching me and like you're just like i'm just i just want like 10 minutes where nobody's touching me and i just think yeah so the first time i watched it completely fucked me up i like i I like cried really hard at the end and this time I went upstairs and was brushing my teeth and then started bawling again so hits me just as hard the second time and I feel like it's a movie I only want to have to watch like once every 10 years maybe but um yeah I was really glad I rewatched it that's beautiful Mm. yeah Mm. I it's funny so I mentioned earlier um about how I'm a fan of your work and and somewhat pretty familiar with it so watching it this time, just from knowing, you know, the history you've talked about on, you know, podcasts, stand-up, stand-up comedy, I'm like, oh, we might have fucked up here. <laughs> it was one of those things where I'm just like, oh, no. We, oh, God. I, I didn't realize it. I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm, oh, boy. Did we just um, traumatize Emma Arnold? I know. Oh, my God. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which is not something I want to have on my resume. But it is something. Um, I... It's funny because I so I watched it when it, like when it first came out on Netflix in like 2016. Um, I was blown away by it. Uh, I'm still blown away by it. I'm a scaredy cat. Even though I've watched like a pretty decent clip of horror movies, I'm still like, I'm. It's still one of those things where I'm just like, don't go in that room. Please don't go in that room. <laughs> uh, it's so dark. What's what's knocking at the door? Um, I I think you've st- you've seen more horror than than me though uh, even I, even if like you're yeah because i've seen some giallo like, stuff some argento yeah. stuff so I, I i mean i've seen yeah. like you know i've seen a good a decent amount but it's and mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of the trash too like the franchises um I, you would think it by just pure exposure i would be less of a scaredy cat by now but i'm not um it's like, still, scary like, though i'm a scaredy mm-hmm. cat too mm. but like the really scary shit doesn't start to happen until after the second half, I'd say. Or, like, after yeah. the first half, I mean, sorry. And uh, I was even like, oh, this isn't as scary as I remember. And then when the scary stuff started happening, literally covering eyes. You know, literally, like, my son's girlfriend was watching it with us, and I was, like, didn't want to seem like a dork, but so I was, like, kind of, like, quietly covering my <laughs> eyes, like, trying to, like, like pretending like I was rubbing them, but I was really, like, oh. I'm too fucking scared to watch this right now. You need to know what you're going, what you're signing up for when you're watching a movie with your, uh, you know, with your partner's parents. Like, come on. Like, you got it. That's, that has to be a no-judgment zone. She That's, and like... she left, actually. She was, like, this is too scary for me, and they went and got food. Because she was like, this is terrifying. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, so I'm not just a huge baby. Or maybe she's right. a bigger baby. But uh, it was really scary still. I, I, I kind of want to imagine you're like, yeah, you're not built for this. You're yeah. Not built for this. I got it. I got Don't this. worry I'll about wa- it. You don't can, worry, everybody. Yeah, you I'll can watch leave. the Babadook. Mm-hmm, don't worry. <laughs> you can, can leave. Go. You're okay. Yeah. 
I got it. My son loves um, it. He he. Uh, he got mm. her food and took her home and then came back and caught the end with us and he was like this movie is still so fucking scary he, he right. uh, yeah. thinks it's scary too so yeah it's it, the jump scare uh, stuff and the supernatural stuff gets me like I can deal with mm-hmm. slashers pretty well like slashers are like tense but I'm not like oh my god it's the stuff that creeps in the shadows that are, can't be defined that's what freaks me the fuck out when there's someone knocking at the door and there's no one there that's why the Conjuring movies are so effective for me. Even though, like, <sighs> those... I've seen other horror movies that are better, but this, those are so effective. Those get me so hard. The Conjuring movies scare me so bad because, same, I'm not scared of slasher movies. Honestly, I'm a woman. Like, my entire life has been like, probably I'll get murdered by a man. And mm-hmm. it's, like, not that scary. Uh, slasher movies, I just kind of think, are boring. But, like, uh, ghosts, however. Right. Spooky little ghosts who you don't know what they're doing and why they're doing it terrifying to me mm-hmm. there it's especially with the ones that have the ability to like possess you and like control your yeah yeah, yeah. or like they're under your I mean, bed you know. and they're like yeah pulling your blanket that's the scariest ghost thing mm-hmm. to do in my opinion where they give your blanket a little oh, yeah. yank <laughs> or like they control the hairs on your yeah. arm Ugh, no thanks <laughs> If you're blanking uh, a yank, I'm gonna have to put that on a t-shirt. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what context. It's but. so scary. You know, what's funny is my yeah. my um, my son Calvin, who I'm since you know my comedy, you know he has autism, and he and I used to have a podcast together called All Gone Now Spooky, where he wanted to watch horror movies and then we would talk about him. And I don't know if this is an autism thing, but I think it might be. But he uh, he always thought it was really funny that I was scared of like The Conjuring and ghosts and stuff because he from like a very neuroatypical place was like that stuff isn't real why would you be scared of something you know isn't real and i would like explain it he would be like that's mm-hmm. not scary and we would be watching like right. the conjuring and i would be hiding my eyes and he would just be laughing and being like mom ghosts are not real so this is not scary and i was like like we watched the the autopsy of jane doe and i was like crying it was so scary mm, right and he was like he was like this is really well made i was like fuck you so <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, like, I love those people. Dude, those where it's really well made. I'm just like, yeah. bruh, I mean, come on. Like, I'm like yeah. literally crying. The camera work is very yeah. good. Um I I I don't I don't know if there's if there's a horror movie that would that I that freaked me out at at fourteen than this one. More than this one. Like like at at an age when did you say it follows first I or can... this? Because I know those were two pretty big that, movies. For this, you. yeah, yeah okay. I yeah. think this because because it follows that 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 get that really gets me too. Yeah, um, which which we're which we're bound to cover, I'm sure. Um, but this, I, I this is like the one that I think of first when it's like I'm now starting in getting into film. In a teeny, when I was a teenager, and and this one I I sought out on my own, like maybe through word of mouth, but this or maybe like through like the like the YouTube film space, like oh I had heard of this, I heard it was really sca- like genuinely psychologically scary, and I, I I just like I felt I felt like I had seen something I'd never seen before. And a new monster that is just like, oh, well, that's not, like, a man with a knife. Like, right. that's something that could be actually under my bed. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. Like, it's similar. Like, I guess we're all sort of saying the same thing. But seeing it, like, 
yeah, like seeing it so young. Like I, was, I think it was one of the first Blu-rays I'd ever bought. Like I don't know what it was about it. Like it was just so. I think it's. I think it's sort of shocking when someone says that they didn't find it scary. Like I've heard criticisms mm-hmm. of from from like kind of broy, macho guys who are like, "It's not scary. The monster's not even scary." And I'm like, <laughs> even if you fully remove the supernatural element, uh, I you're not scared of grief. You're not scared of mm-hmm. mental illness. You're not something tangible. Yeah, you're not like scared that. of yeah. Uh, yeah. being unlovable. You know, like there's, like I feel like some part of your brain while you're watching it is hyper aware of the fact that the monster represents something much scarier than a monster. Whatever that thing, and that's what's so brilliant about it. I think is this, like you get to mm-hmm. have that. It's a placeholder in some ways. Like if you've experienced grief, you recognize it as grief. If you've experienced addiction, the Babadook is addiction. You know, that's what I think is so cool about that monster is like, yeah, obviously like the guy himself isn't terrifying. Like when, in fact, I love how at the very end, that final scene when they show that he lives in the basement and she has to, she's made peace with the Babadook, but she has to like Mm -hmm. check on him and feed him. I was like, that's such a beautiful allegory for mental illness, you know, for, Mm-hmm. For for the pain that you have to live with as you, you know, become an adult, become an adult, become a mom, become, go through the loss of someone you love. Like, so mm-hmm. when someone's like, I'm, I, I just don't think it's scary. I'm like, well, congrats on being a sociopath, I guess. <laughs> it's definitely a terrifying movie, objectively. Because mm-hmm. at the end of it all, it's just like, don't suppress something. Yeah. Just like, learn to compartmentalize and. And then she does, because it's like, I think seeing this now uh, nearly a decade ago for the first time, it was when I was aware of um, not just the monster was so frightening and um, it had such an identity to it. Then you go to the character dynamics and the shift in power um, that you go through with Amelia and Samuel. Samuel, of course, uh, displayed as being a lot at first and then you go to like a million the second half and you're like oh wait a minute now i'm on sam's side like what's going like what's going on like this is like that i had never seen a horror movie pull that trick um because also like i because I, I, seeing it now like again um and seeing much more horror now and uh and less contemporary horror it's like it's something that a lot of um the horror from like the 60s and 70s would do where it's like it's a scary movie but like it's mostly a drama like a domestic right. drama you know what i mean yeah. like right. it's it's like this is don't look now you know it's it's, it's like this is rosemary's yeah. baby it's yeah like yeah it's something that is not horror first but then when it does reveal itself in horror it's it's masterful yeah even her circumstances yeah. you know i was a single mom for a long time and like the circumstances she is in create like they create dread from the first moment of the movie Mm -hmm. like she's living in poverty you know like Mm -hmm. she has no support network she is working and barely covering her her taking care of her son and i tell you i can tell you from my own experience raising a neuroatypical kid without a support network without people who understand what's going on is really really difficult and really scary and there that's why like capturing capturing this experience of like this young mother uh so well and but also threading in like this monster i just think that that's such a like every part of the movie is terrifying <laughs> literally every t- right. part of the movie like you know even like the guy who comes over who kind of has a crush on her and she's like humiliated for him to see 
uh, the circumstances she lives in. And it's like, yeah, that's all real. That's all very real. It's interesting because I didn't remember. I mean, I remember the bare bones of the plot. I remember like, like kind of what happened and the general themes. I didn't remember, or I don't know if I had the same reaction when I first watched it. Uh, coming from a kind of a different perspective, I grew up with a single mom as an only child. Um, so I have that, uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not neurodivergent. So diff some different circumstances, but I had a lot of health problems as a kid, especially when I was like 13, um, stuff that I felt like, you know, like a burden on my mom because it dominated a lot of her life as well. So kind of coming into, and, and I don't know what the disconnect was from the first time I saw it. Cause I really don't remember that, that aspect hitting me as much as it does now as an adult. Um, but it was that, like you talked about how grief is terrifying. Like the, like those aspects that are, is not the monster are terrifying. Those concepts that we live in our, with our, in our lives is terrifying. I really identified it this time. Cause I like, you know, I'm, I think one of my basic fears is just, you know, getting personal, you know, relaying it shit out on the table. One of my basic fears is being a burden for people being that person that they have to wait hand and knee on and just like, okay, Clay's having a migraine again. Got to send him to his room, but fuck. All right, whatever. Um, that basic, like, oh, I guess we have to find a new school for him. He's just not working out. There was some, he's just not doing, or he's just not being able to do what he needs to do. Um, so that was, that kind of aspect was re, um, rejuvenated when I watching this second time and also something even more like more basic and rather less personal, but that idea of, I had, you know, yesterday I had a pretty rough day at work. And at some point, like my, my bosses kept telling me I was stressed when I'm like, I'm not stressed, but then I had to, but they kept telling me, no, you're stressed. You need to take a break. I'm like, bro, I'm not. And I just got more and more mad because they kept telling me how I was feeling. And then I got really fucking stressed. And then I act, then I was wondering, am I like crazy is a, uh, is a, a exaggerated word, but that's just how I kind of felt. I'm like, am I being, am I crazy right now? Because it's like, am I misunderstanding how I'm feeling? And people are just telling me how I feel. And just that constant paranoia of like, what the fuck is going on? What's going on in my head? Am I not thinking straight? Am I not understanding some basic core concept that's happening right now? So those two big, like those two aspects for me was like highlighted yesterday when I watched it. I watched, I made the dumbest mistake and watched it late at night. I had to turn the light on for the last half. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> bad idea. Um, but yeah, it was just, those are the, like that. So like you said, Emma, the con that, con that person, that personal context can really kind of fuck you up. But it's also just that basic thing. We all live, we all live with grief. We all live with some form, like, I mean, I be I would be be hard pressed to find anyone living in the modern world who is not somehow affected by mental illness, whether it's themselves or a family member or a friend. So it's all stuff we deal with every day, but it can also get to that real core personal aspect. Um, mm -hmm. That that's why it's such a brilliant film is because it covers so much ground with like an hour and thirty minute runtime. Yeah, I feel mm -hmm. like if that movie doesn't trigger something in you, if you aren't triggered in some way. 
I, what kind of childhood did you have? What kind of right. Disneyland pop pop tart childhood did you have? That you're right. Like, oh, I didn't really feel anything because I feel like yeah, like you said, it it shows you things from so many angles and. Like you said about the, you made you think of your mom and feeling like a burden. It made me think of my own mother because I think like, you know, I had these, I had these two very abusive parents, but um, my father was abusive because he was cruel and um, and and an, a, an awful person. But my mother was uh, single mom abusive, like at the end of her fucking rope, a tired, exhausted abusive, which, you know, I as a single mom, I have a lot more empathy for now because so fucking exhausting being a mom and and i think like i think it's weird the, talk about going deep afterward i was thinking so much about how our relationships with our mother uh pretty much everyone i know has a relationship with their, their mom where like you love her and also you're never really going to be able to forgive her you know like for how how she fucked you up and i think that um, it's interesting now, like I have grown kids and I'm like, yeah, I probably have that same dynamic with my own kids who like, they adore me. And also I fucked up stuff when they were kids that made their life hard. And I just, I think that the movie does a good job sort of showing both sides of that. Like Samuel is so annoying in the beginning that you have so little empathy for him. And then all of a sudden in the end, you're like, oh my God, this poor kid is trying to protect his mom is trying to save her is being so brave and and his his neurodivergence is actually this incredible um force that he's able to like you know he's able to build all these traps and do all these things and he's really really brilliant and you're like oh yeah all of a sudden you sort of see it from from a mother's angle from from a child's angle but yeah seeing it from the mother's angle you uh you would never assume you would get to that place of Sam taking initiative and the agency to to know it's almost like a like a self fulfilling prophecy like oh I'm needing to make these gadgets to protect my mom my mom will be infested by the Babadook because she feels immense guilt by the event that happened on the day I was born right it's just like he kind of like has this whole thing mapped out because it's not like you know it's it, it's it's a movie of uh, a lot of uh, like. It it doesn't wrap itself up neatly, but it does like, oh right, like it does make sense in this uh, environment that they created, and what they created is a lot. It's a house that has its life sucked out of it. Because I love the way this movie uh, looks. It, it's um, so gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Yeah, like it could have easily looked um, like dog shit because of yeah. how all these <laughs> yes. it's these gray walls it's these do- blue, like dimly it's lit all blues, you know? right yeah yeah it could have looked the, like in the in the production shit. design it was only like browns blacks whites and mm-hmm. blues like that's all they and it could have looked so and... bad i feel like it, it, in fact there it could have looked very horror movie and overdone and mm. um cheesy but instead everything is so muted and so blue and then all of a sudden, like that red of something will pop out, yeah. like the grill, the um, gas tank, mm. the ball. Like then, it, mm-hmm. it, then it makes Mr. Babadook the, the book. Babadook book. You know, like oh yeah, the Babadook right, book. Right. Like it makes the reds pop so hard. Babadook. And also the lighting, the lighting is, God, yeah. I I'm like this is I maybe because now we're in a place where everything is lit so poorly that now when I watch a movie <laughs> with beautiful lighting, I just cannot stop. Mm-hmm. I'm like literally pausing the movie to be like, look at the scene, look at it. Every is everybody looking, yeah. you know, because it's just so beautiful. And it's, yeah, 
and for a first like for a, a directorial debut yeah. as well um uh yeah because it it wears like jennifer kent uses these influences to an advantage as it does make something of itself but it doesn't feel like okay obviously this is like a riff on like early tim burton or whatever you know it's just it it feels wholly realized um because it has uh this point of view that's really interesting and like it's nods to uh like clay's mentioned already um 1920s like German early early right. yeah like horror uh, like that's really cool because i i love the moments i mean well <laughs> it maybe it's one of my favorite scenes but um that yeah there's you start to see those moments of like not only is the media that amelia is consuming while being an insomniac like informing her hallucinations but the actual babadook design that we see looks like something from like dr calgary and it's like oh wow that's like really inventive yeah that's such a good point because it it really like it could have felt wes anderson-y you know it could have felt kind of i don't know like you said like tim burton-y it could have felt kind of cartoony but it doesn't and it and it feels i don't the whole thing feels kind of like a dollhouse almost you know yes. like yes it's Yes. I just love every 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 aspect of every room already feels sinister. You're already mm, yeah. afraid. The second you're in that house, you feel bad, you know? And you have a perfect understanding of the geography of the house, which is so mm -hmm. important for haunted house films is you have to kind of know where everything is. Because the moment you get lost, the moment you can kind of, you're going to like discombobulate. Like, where, where the fuck are we? Um, there's like three to four, four main, five, maybe five main rooms you go into, like basement, uh, both of their rooms and uh, the kitchen and the living room done. Uh, you don't really see any other rooms. You don't really care. It's those are where all the actions happening, and it's pretty precise. Um, and you know, with Tim Burton, um, you know, uh, he's also the, other, the reason that you can you could almost see it that way is because he's like you know he's also he was also inspired by German expressionism and Gothic horror. Um, but wait, he was. Right. That's... Yeah, no, crazy. Um, <laughs> When the key difference is that Kent grounds it into something. I, I, I really like a lot of the early Tim Burton stuff, um, but but the dip, the different approach is that she ground to make it more terrifying and feel something more um, personal and raw is that she it, it is grounded in this bleak contemporary mindset of what mental health is. Um, kind of you know it's like that core connection between the Caligari you know aesthetic to where we are now is via the writing and the performances um I think and and I do think that section of her watching that you know black and white silent horror film that the Babadook kind of appears in is fucking terrifying because the like it's so fast and it keeps going and going and going doesn't stop and there's all these crazy erratic movements that are happening and these surprises and these bizarre transitions into like crazy uh design uh, you know character designs and something really unsettling um it is it does connect to that moment of you going you know you me as an idiot watching a fucking horror movie at like 2 a.m in the middle of the night about to go to sleep like yeah it's a great idea like it's that it connects to the another core feeling that most of us have had in that sense of how like you said jack how our media um 
I have had so many dreams based off the shit I just watch. I've had the countless. And also just that core fear of, um, or that transference of fear. Of, I watch this, they're afraid of this, I'm now afraid of that, and now I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Also, I will say, uh, one of the scariest things that they show really well and build empathy on is like when you're a single mom and you hear something bonk in the night you're it (laughs) you got to go check that shit out you don't have somebody to be like hey uh guy with a beard go see if there's a monster downstairs and because you are you know the adult you have to act very cool about that in front of your kids you have to be like there's no such thing as monsters everything is fine even if you're terrified you have to act like very very chill and um I think the book is such a, a an incredible like uh, totem and prop. Uh, my, my like probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is the first time you see the book and she's reading it to him, and then he's scared, and uh, that it cuts to the scene where he's on her lap screaming, and she's like reading a different book trying to like calm him down. I just think that that is such an amazing transition, and uh, and then the way that the book just keeps coming back. Which is very horror, you know, horror movie tropey and whatever. But also the way that they do that is, it's so creepy. Like, I hate that book. If I found that book in my house, I saw some, like, if you buy the soundtrack, um, it comes in that book. And it, it's oh, like, no. there's like a vinyl. Ver- and I was like, absolutely not would I have that in my house. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny that you mention, um, and, and Jack, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'll just mention this real quick. It's funny you mentioned the um, soundtrack. It's because... Anytime that, like, there's those scenes of her just staring at, like, the cover of the book, and there's that eerie, I can't really describe it, that just, like, horribly unsettling noise that only goes away whether she throws it away or burns it. And then it complete kind of goes to silence. And it's that kind of, like, association with your mind of, like, fuck that book. It's because you're hearing something so unsettling that the moment it's gone, you feel that release. That, re- like, oh, it's gone. Yeah. It's like the sound of evil. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, kind of... It is. I, I like that it's indescribable because um, you're just like, oh, I don't know how to how to manage this feeling. But then Amelia doesn't either. And but she definitely knows that there's something there. And it's like, oh, what? I just. Um, but then I love the point when that's when that scene does happen when Mr. Babadook, the Baba book, if you will, when that does return, and. Because uh, that's that's when she gets the medicine, I think, and it's like, oh, we're gonna be fine. Like we just needed some sleep. Like Samuel maybe can calm down, or and and then like the book returns, and it's just like then it takes a minute for her to realize like this thing needs to be like gone, like just evaporated, and then Sam is there like witnessing it, and he's just like, I, I, I that's my book, and then like has no idea that this thing is actually taking place yet. Um, Cause there's so much of the movie in the first half that's stretched out to make you realize like, Oh, like he must be um, so scared since um, he's like disobedient and doesn't and like you are so clearly on Amelia's side. But then when you realize like, Oh, like the time of the year that the event took place on, on uh on the like the day of the dad's passing like oh like this is coming up like that it makes more sense why the babadook is like in, 
infesting them now. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. It's it's a very smart reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say about the soundtrack. Just sorry to loop back, but uh, I wanted to say uh, I love horror movie soundtracks. I often put put it on while I'm working. Like I listen to Alien. I listen to the Man- Mandy soundtrack all the time. So today while I was working, kind of Ooh. preparing for this, I was like working on another project and I was like, oh, I'll throw on the Babadook. I made it about 30 seconds before I was like, nope, absolutely not. Right. This is absolutely. still like it's so <laughs> genuinely upsetting, that sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever did the music for that is uh, really incredible because uh, it's so creepy. And I hadn't thought about the time of year thing, but you're right that like this probably isn't the first time this kid has seen this mental illness slip start to happen and maybe this year was more extreme but this kid is this kid has experienced his mother's mental illness around this date uh six other times you know on some level so that's Mm -hmm. a good point yeah um the soundtrack was composed by judd Curzel, older brother of justin Curzel, who's a pretty good filmmaker i would say yeah 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 yeah. assassin's creed director justin Curzel. it's true yeah uh Macbeth. anyone know michael fassbender's Um, And also, like, time of, you know, uh, like, the movie's relationship with time. You, like, yes, it's, like, with, like, the use of phones, I guess that's our only indicator to realize, like, oh, this is, this is, like, 24, this could be 2014 set. But really, there's not a whole lot else that would lead you to believe um that this is contemporary and that is super eerie to me also like this could be like 1954 1984 right like you barely see an interesting idea barely see a smartphone Mm -hmm. you -hmm. mentioned it follows or it kind of does that same thing with the it follows where it's like you don't know when this is and it's freaking you out like it's a good way to keep people kind of on their toes and feeling Mm -hmm. a little unsure because they have like a very old TV, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have a landline, right? And a landline. Yeah, and they have that weird-looking phones that look like circles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's like that, and it, and the it falls is so seeped into '80s aesthetic, but it's like disobeying a lot of it. Like, what is going on? That's a that's a movie. Um, yeah, I just I think it's super interesting because I don't know, like. I think a yeah, like a lesser movie would would be like oh, like trying to like make smartphones like a more of a of a use in the film, but keeping it strictly to Amelia and Samuel as you know the core of the movie. And, um, the fact that Claire is so distant from her sister it, like makes them feel all the more trapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that scene uh, where the woman at the party is like, "Oh, I work." underprivileged women just like you yes yes <laughs> yeah. i thought that right. was fantastic Ugh. that Very liberalism funny. like middle class liberalism <laughs> like oh i'm also understand your plight i i too mm-hmm. have had you know extracurricular experience in things that you are dealing with directly so i understand trust yeah. me i understand um yeah you, you yeah s- it's the it's the relatability but it comes off as condescension that like would like in any other movie would be like oh that's like you know a nice bit of tension but here it just like it like built it like adds to the dread like oh my gosh like you know we also see her lose yeah, well, I think that really that's well the done. scene the first scene you really see her kind of lose her temper mm-hmm. um mm. like before that she's so mousy and sweet right. and like 
no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And then that's really the first time she's like kind of asserts herself, you know? So yeah, instead of it's instead of feeling like, oh, good for her. You're kind of like, I don't know. I think this is getting ugly. She's about to crack, you know? So yeah. It really is something that obviously strengthens your central idea. It immerses you in the world of the character. I only use music when sounds can no longer tell the story. This is one of these examples where sound starts to blend into musical strains. So music and sound are working together to create the horror. What did you say? At the moment where he throws the firecrackers, the sound then bursts into music. So it's it's a blend. It's not like you have sound and then music takes over. They're working together. Colour is also really important. In the Babadook, I wanted a really reduced colour palette. So blacks through to whites, blue, some pinks, burgundies, that was it. Drove my production designer mad trying to achieve this effect. So I'm obviously very focused on actors, but I feel equally focused on camera. My job is to move an audience in some direction, and I think camera has a lot more to do with that than some people realise. So if it needs to feel cold and sparse and, and bare, I might do really sort of locked off wide shots. I used a lot of that in the Babadook. As the film went along, she would drift off to the side, and so we had a lot of negative space, which makes an audience, whether they're aware of it or not, start to feel uneasy. I wanted it to feel like a pair of hands gently placed on the audience's neck, uh, growing tighter and tighter and tighter until they felt they couldn't breathe. And the camera, amongst other things, was a way to achieve that. So this is the one and only Babadook POV. <laughs> I wanted us to see her seeing it. This shot makes me laugh because the camera was on a rope and we just hoiked it down the stairs, which is probably not good for insurance, but um, that's how we got that shot. The effect for me emotionally was like the air being sucked out of the room and her life being over. I felt an enormous responsibility to stay within the skin of that female character. I think audiences have become very anaesthetized to violence on screen, and it's something I find disturbing. I looked at, at all scenes of sexual violence that I could find, and one common thread I found was how ob objective they were. They've been often told from the male gaze, we were removed from, usually a woman, usually removed from her experience. You know, people say, oh, these scenes are so shocking and disturbing. Of course they are, and we need to feel that. I think when we become so removed from violence on screen, this is a very irresponsible thing. So I wanted to put us right within the frame with that person experiencing the loss of everything they hold dear. All right.
This is the way I've created two films. I don't know if it's going to be the way I work on the next one. I think what's more important than that is to have a really strong point of view that comes from your very being. I think uh, there is so much content out there now. The word freaks me out. And I think we are perhaps in danger of losing a strong, unique, individual point of view. Spend time looking to find your own way of processing the world, what you want to say and make it count, make it meaningful and make it something that's going to impact your audience and move them in some direction. Because S.E. Davis is pretty sensational uh, throughout the entire thing and it's in that moment when you realize like, oh right, the exhaustion mm -hmm. of, of how much um, Samuel takes out of you is like starting to really build up in this moment. Which is so real. Um, like, um... Yeah. My uh, son did not sleep at all, hardly at night, and he also ground his teeth like that so bad that he snapped uh, mm. four of his teeth when he was little. Oh. Like, it's, oh. a, it's a really common, unfortunate thing with autism when kids, he got uh, eight teeth by the time he was two months old, which you probably don't know is very early. That's actually wild. That does not happen with babies. But he was a teeth grinder, mm. and he would lay next to me at night because he slept with me with his eyes just wide open staring at me grinding his teeth and i was a very young mom and i was right. very like i didn't you know i didn't know that that was not something babies did so i would just kind of lay there next to him and be like hi you could close right. your eyes and he would just stare and he slept so little when he was young he still has horrible insomnia and um and i got so little sleep for about 10 years <laughs> like really mm -hmm. no sleep hardly at all and and it's really hard on your mental, like your mental health. Oh too. yeah. That type oh, of insomnia yeah. is brutal. So, yeah. Especially I think, when you have so much shit on your plate. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like it's you can't just be like, all right, I'm gonna conk out for a second. Yeah, it's I'm like, just gonna no, take a quick nap. On. It's like no, you know, I had three little kids under five, you know, and boom, 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 and like, if I went to sleep, somebody was going to get run over. You know, they, they right. would like leave the house or set something on fire or climb on top of the fridge. So, yeah, I. I I feel like for me, the the exhaustion is almost another monster. Like it's, it gives me so much dread mm -hmm. to see her so tired because I have been there as a mom and you're just like, oh, that is so inexplicably difficult to be that tired. Yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't imagine. I I, um, I do some childcare, I, I work at an after school program um, and I, you know, I'm with, these kids it's k through five but i mostly work with the fourth and fifth graders which are i i think easy but some some of my coworkers are like they're so mean i'm like that's their love language it's fine <laughs> um like i i don't have to tell them not to eat like a car so i think that, that's that's the trade-off you know it's yeah. fine they're a little mean i don't have to hey don't like spit on each other um but yeah it's another connection that i had watching it especially yesterday it was like yeah, there is just moments where you're just like, I'm about to lose my shit with this kid. <laughs> I'm going like, and, and you don't want to say that. And you don't want to be like, oh, my God, I almost like I almost wanted to grab them and shake them and like, what are you doing? Like, you don't want to say that because it's not because obviously I would never do that. Oh, well, never. Is <laughs> I most likely like 80, 90%, 95% of the time I will never do that. I don't know. Maybe there's a 5% where okay. I'm like, ah, um, but yeah, those moments where you're up to your neck and then you say something and you're like, 
fuck. Okay, I am so 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 sorry. You you like you like you want to just like mm-hmm. what can I do for you? What can you know? It's those moments, and so it's yeah. Another thing that changed for me because I wasn't doing child I wasn't doing childcare when I was first watched it. Yeah. So that was another. It's inevitable. Patience would wear thin. Like that's mm-hmm. like that's like human. You Especially know? when you're dealing just with, like, a lot, with a lot of it those makes motherfuckers it, yeah. and you're trying to get them mm-hmm. to do like, yeah. hey, we have a thing we got to yeah. do, or I get in trouble. I know. Um, there's like no way to make yourself not to feel shitty about that but then again it's just like how can you not how can you not mm. like be around that constantly and always like try to like bite your lip you know that's just like that's a talent in and unto itself is patient right i'm sure both of you know um maybe we get to favorite yes scene let's get to favorite scene because we're already, we're, we're yeah. but i suppose one thing that is important to bring up is queer icon the Babadook I mean this is kind of like a part of its cultural legacy at this point yes and it's my favorite literally Um, my favorite thing on the internet and every year when Uh the anniversary of it comes up and I see it again it makes me laugh as hard as the first time I saw it it brings me such joy Uh, of course we're talking about the incredible picture of the young woman who thought uh, maybe person I don't know if they're uh, NB or not but uh they thought they were going to a costume party, dressed as the Babadook, got there, no one else was dressed up, and that you're not even talking about that? What are you talking about? Oh, I, well, I thought it started because Netflix accidentally fucked up oh, their algorithm. Oh, put it in there? Oh. And put it I under LGBT that. yeah, that's what I... That lesbian, lovely lesbian yeah, gal. that's oh, what Okay, I, okay, so you tell yours, because I'm absolutely wrong. Well, that's... Li- no, I, that, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, like, people, like, I mean, that's, saw a screenshot of yeah. that, ran with it, wild. Now there's fan fiction. I've, I've a friend <laughs> of mine, as a joke, sent me a Pennywise Babadook romance mm-hmm. uh, fan fiction Incredible. that is... Fucking nuts. Um, I can tell you in 2017, Pride Month had its Babadook trending. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and around the same time as Netflix putting it in um, the LGBT section, Amazing. there was a user on Tumblr that joked, like, oh, yeah, Babadook's openly gay. Like, it's clear. Like, but, but I think that started as a bit. But it's gone so and then far just now like, that some people are like, it's oh, so yeah, far. Isn't, you know, isn't the yeah. Babadook gay? And it's like, whoa, wait, what? what? Why? Why would you just assume that? But also, like, the Babadook feels gay. I totally, I'm on board with that 100. percent Right. Like, I actually feel right, that. Right. Uh, like, give me the boy. Like, come on. That's a little. If the gay community so... wants to appropriate any horror villain, that's fine yeah. with me. Yeah, uh-huh. I love it. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Who am I to? Be I like, didn't know no. that they had listed it wrong, mm-hmm. and then that I always thought it was because that, because that became like a have... meme. I don't know. I right. just. I think it's incredible, mm-hmm. though. But, well, I didn't know yeah. about that. So maybe, you know, it's one of those things that it, like, yeah. both happen at the same time. It snowballs <laughs> about the same time. You're right, right, right. And Jennifer Kent loves it. She's like, it's great that this is this is something to keep it relevant. And the Babadook just doesn't want to die. <laughs> like, that, like she's on it and on it. And this was a complete word of mouth. IFC, oh, independent, yeah. cost yeah. $2 million, was didn't screen. Like... It's so now. It's so now. It's a Sundance. It's so popular now that yeah. during the pandemic, the Lincoln, uh, the film, the Lincoln Center. Like God, this is second. IFC, the IFC Center. IFC. Okay, well they did virtual screenings of the Babadook, yeah. uh, like during the mm-hmm. pandemic, because they're like, all right, we got to play something. I was like, oh, let's play this, and that just kind of shows that even though probably the initial run was pretty unsuccessful financially, the second runs, the home videos, all of that has probably. I mean, I can't even imagine how profitable it's been now. Especially with merch, and it's become a, like a icon and memes and stuff like that. So it's a nice little success story for independent film. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's like it only like it made 10 million with a with a budget of 10 million of 2 million. Excuse me. And and it's like yeah, you're right. Like ever since then it's probably definitely hit triple that quadruple. Yeah. It's triple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um r- reminds me of a bit of the invitation like just how its second yeah. life was conjured by by Netflix and like I remember being a teenager and being like, "Oh wait, why is the Babadook queer, and it's just like, oh my gosh, like this is a movie like I've known my entire life. Like I'm so, like I can't even read the subtext, but it's, but then it's just like, oh, well, it's just kind of like, you know, snowballed into something that uh, Jennifer Kent didn't even like intend, but now it's taken on life of its own. I feel like it's kind of in that canon of like elevated horror now. I'm not sure what that means, but um, we we've talked beat. about it. I feel like, but yeah, it's yeah. a it's yeah. a thing that is. A whole ball. I mean, it's not it's good. It's a ball of yarn. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. Yeah, Elevated Horror is this, like, catch-all, right. just like... So you mean, like, a horror movie that you liked? It's one of those things where it's just, like... <laughs> right, like, it has patient, it has patient right, editing. Like you just, you just liked it, right? Elevated. What, yeah. Okay. Um, so... What does that mean? Favorite... Let's yeah, get to favorite scene. scene. Um, yeah, favorite scene. I guess I will go first, because I just... I do want to say it's probably the German Expressionism... Um, sex segment where you see the Babadook appear on the TV screen and you see all these crazy like erratic actions happening um you know it's that fast cut like movement that they had back in the day that you know everyone's moving at this like ungodly speed just in like general gestures that makes it even more I don't creepy. like you I don't like you oh because it was that was, no, was your pick yeah, that's fair I thought you were just saying that as like just a statement that your feelings <laughs> overall which I agree with but <laughs> That that's something you would say. <laughs> um, I I will. I mean, one that's always like been a big like oh like that's so unnerving. Like this time and like when I've watched it several times in the past. Um, uh, when she's watching that police report and then Amelia sees herself in the window, oh! like Essie Davis's face yeah. in Pretty that cool scene, it, uh, like both reacting to that um and and like you know herself on on the news is just creepy ass smile too god damn. very unsettling very unsettling yeah she could be in smile and i know that was the thing it's like it's one of those smiles that's like literally like you know ear to ear it's one of those like what they Mm -hmm. people say that and that's not like Mm -hmm. that's an exaggeration but that one felt like holy shit that covers Mm -hmm. her whole face yeah and it's deep into that portion of the movie where it's like oh she just needs to freaking yeah. sleep <laughs> and she knows it you know it as as a viewer and it's like 
oh my god but then um yeah this movie is just still fantastic knife to stab her son. His body was found in their basement. The woman later attacked officers with the knife. They drew their guns and shot her to death. Little is known about the tragedy, but neighbors say the boy was celebrating his birthday today. He had just turned seven. Um, I, I guess my favorite would be when she sleeps, when she first gives him the pill. Um, I just thought that was really well mm. shot, like showing her sort of floating towards the bed. And the bed up until that point has been this like place where bad things have happened. You know, she's hiding under the covers a, a couple times before that and she's scared. And I just thought like uh, my elder, sorry, my elderly dog is rocking around. If you're hearing tapping, he just jumped <laughs> off the bed and is wandering. Um, but yeah, I really liked that. Um, um, that scene because I just thought it was really beautifully done and it also just shows like she's just so excited to sleep she's just so like oh my gosh I'm gonna get a full night's sleep and I just thought that yeah, was it's like, ethereal right yeah, yeah it is yeah exactly yeah I loved it you talked about and Emma you mentioned the lighting earlier and that it, the way the white gown looks is really what makes that scene to me because it it, it, get, mm-hmm. it gets that like religious angelic like feeling of yeah ah oh, bliss sleep Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Why do you say that? Ruby said people don't like me because I'm weird. Sometimes people say things that aren't true. You just need to take your medicine, have a big sleep, and not worry. I don't want you to die. I'm not going to die for a long time yet. Did he think that about my dad before he died? Just take your pill so you can go to sleep. I've got the day off tomorrow. Maybe we could do something. Huh? Will these make the Babadook go away? I think so, but you have to promise me not to mention it again. I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Then I won't mention it. I promise to protect you. Come on. Can you stay here with me? I love you, Mom. Me too.
Um, also, not my favorite scene, but I love anything to do with the cockroaches. Oh, God, yeah, those are so That's gross. like, ugh. That's how the, so I, I, I remember the, the, the two people that come into our house to like interview about uh, Samuel. Like that, like those people are very like Tim Burton like character actors. Like oh, like they have like very distinct faces and the like. There's some like sound design choices and line readings that stick with me more than moments of the movie because I saw it at just like a certain age and and it's those people that are just like oh I remember like how they like like their monotone voices and stuff. They're but, the nice little Australians. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Australia has a great depiction. In the Babadook. Um, That's what it's like. Emma Arnold, thank you so much yeah, for being here for with us. Me. This has been an absolute delight. Um, if you'd like to, you know, anywhere that people can you find you. You got some stuff to have, plug. I least, do. You got some exciting Recently, stuff. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Like, uh, mm, I have a new album on, right? and special out called Myself. You can check it out all the places you would normally listen to an album. Um, I'm glad that my dog is drinking water next to me very loud while I'm doing this. Thank you, Chip. Um uh, and then also you can watch the special if you're uh, wanting to watch it instead. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's free. You can watch it there. And yeah, it's really fun. And people seem to be enjoying it. It's good. It's really good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, good. I'm it's really good. It's, it's really, really good. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I had somebody, <laughs> it's so funny, you know, like in between albums, people kind of leave you alone. But then when something new comes out, uh, I get like a lot of weird you know, I mean, I always get weird stuff, but like a lot, a lot. And somebody sent me uh, a fan, someone who loves it, was like, oh, my gosh, I listened to the album. Then I watched the special. And you should really tell people that, like, some of the jokes are better with your face uh, if they can see you. Uh, so you should tell people to watch the special. And I was like, OK, oh everybody, a visual medium uh, adds an element that the album doesn't. So just so everybody knows, yeah, um, that's true, I guess. If you like the... seeing faces mm-hmm. while p- p- they perform comedy, this is the like, thing for you. Yeah, I know that. That's why we recorded that's it so and funny. put it. Uh, but yeah. thank you. So yeah, um, just so you know, if you if you need faces for stuff, then hey. you can you can watch it too. Hand gestures, hand gestures. Hand gestures. <laughs> if the, the the comedy wouldn't work if it weren't yeah. for the way. He said that your some, body of, some of my some of the jokes is... are better with my facial expressions. So, the, great. It's like you're human these are or my something. fans, and these are my right, fans. Right. So thanks, guys. <laughs> no, but people seem to be really enjoying it, and they've actually been very generous and kind. And I think you'll like it. Check it out. Please do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Oh my I gosh! Wait, sorry. Can I tell you one more other plug? Uh, I totally absolutely. Forgot. Absolutely. I totally forgot. So yeah. I also no. We we are we are here all I the time. I have yeah, a a storytelling uh podcast also which i was planning to do once a month i'm gonna let you know right now i drop one episode a year they're very difficult for me to make uh but it's basically um you can read them on my website or you can listen to them um uh anywhere it's called the book of holy fuck and they are real life experiences of mine that I've sort of turned into horror stories. Uh, That's awesome. And I never really reveal how much of it is horror and how much isn't, but I'll tell you, it's mostly me. It's mostly my real, <laughs> my real life. But um, yeah, I started sort of fictionalizing some of these stories because they were uh, legally difficult to tell. So as far right. as anybody knows, they're entirely fictional. Um, but yeah, you could check that out there. Those are very, and people are like, these are terrifying. Um, and that's why they take me a year to produce. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever say welcome to my life? Because I feel like that's that, that's a perfect. Uh, I way to... I should. I don't have a tagline um, for them. Uh, I, I didn't really. 
honestly, I didn't want to do them. My husband really had encouraged me to do the to do these because I had a Patreon where I was publishing them, and he was like, "You should do audio versions of these beautiful stories." And I started doing it, and um, they're like hard to record. They're actually like, kind of difficult. So I'm working on the third episode right now, which is called "My Mother's Body." Um, which is uh, very creepy and and uh, very interesting and fun. So it's not fun. Do you at find all. it actually? It's terrible. It's terrifying. Uh, it's, I don't know why I said it's fun. None of them are fun. Don't go for fun. I mean, you in front of a mic—that's intimidating. Like it's just—it's just you. Like there's no one. Yeah, yeah you know, right. I, I can't I imagine do doing it by myself. Right. That would drive. Yeah, me crazy. I could. I could never. Yeah, I, I think you know. Yeah. I have enough uh, experience now because I have my uh, podcasting like day job. That now it doesn't because mm-hmm. now I have to do tracking alone. I do tons of stuff. But when I first started these, uh, they were incredibly hard and difficult, and they're long stories too. Like you know, they're ten to twelve thousand words, and so reading that. Uh, you know, from a prompter essentially is was pretty brutal in the beginning, but now I've gotten better at it, and uh, and I'm I am trying to churn them out a little faster. But they uh, they're like watching the Babadook. I finish one, and then I'm like, well, I gotta go tell my therapist all of this Absolutely. for about six months while I process what we all learned. But I also can I just say one thing? This is not even a plug. This is just something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I think the Babadook is so perfect. Uh, I, I've, I've been in therapy and in recovery for over a decade and about a year ago, and I'm the kind of person who I read every self-help book, you know, I do a million workbooks. I've always just been like, I want to get well. And about right. a year ago, I was like, I think I'm, I like took a break from therapy and I took a break from like all that self-help shit. And I was like, I'm just going to read fiction and watch movies and just mm-hmm. kind of take, and it wasn't for a reason. It was literally just cause I was like, I kind of just need a break to like process the healing I've done. And I honestly feel like as a society, maybe we've forgotten that like the most healing thing a lot of times that you can do is read or watch a fictional story that you can like the Babadook is so perfect for that because it's literally just like a harness to strap into for the ride of whatever you're going mm. to go on. And it just if I feel like the Babadook was this really beautiful reminder because I've been kind of in this last year, like, why do I make art? What's the point? Blah. Right. But watching the Babadook, I was like, oh, because this is how we this is how we help each other heal. You know, this is how like you can make something that is your pain, but someone will experience it completely in their own way. And so, yeah, I felt like the Babadook was a good reminder. That's why we make this shit is because then yeah. you can you can maybe help somebody heal from something. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's, it, it's, um, it sounds very similar to like what Maddie Patinkin, you know, and speaking of writing, it's like he was at a WGA um, picket uh, in New York, I think, and he was with, I think, like Bob Odenkirk. And they were, you know, made this video, and Maddie Patinkin said, it's not verbatim, but the idea of storytelling is the heartbeat of the human race. And, like, you know, that, in how, like, to also to obviously show how important writers are and how they, writing is essential to life in a way, essential to how we get through days, how we understand what we think and how we feel. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really powerful. I'm really, I'm really happy that you said that. I'm, I just was like, sorry, Jack, to interrupt you. Plugging art. That's what I just did is I just plugged I, art in general. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, no. But that, this is the most important time to do so because yeah. it is like, art is a it is like under attack almost yeah. like yeah, it absolutely. needs to be preserved. Yeah. So this, yeah. I'm really glad you said yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Um, 
the the strike is about a week almost uh by the time we're taping this and you know still going strong and uh you know our sword best wishes with with everyone that's you know involved in that but yeah i th- i would real fast i would agree that you know uh the the film does toe this great line that's really tricky to um to do and how yes it's emotionally taxing and a real honest look into motherhood and mental illness and grief also it's really well yeah, made yeah. you know it's like your son's reaction to Jane Doe it's like you know it's a great directorial debut it's a great um use of sound and just really genuine scares it can be both and somehow it doesn't toe into that other side of um emotional taxation that that you need to take with film it's like but then you know i say all this and it's like with her next feature the nightingale some say it's a different story right and we could cover that one day if someone chooses to but you know sometimes um that opening 30 minutes of that film is a little too much for people um i like that movie i haven't but, seen you know, it it's um, it's good yeah, i hear it's it, rough. I, it's good it's it's you know it it builds itself back together after it's rough. It, that's all. It's a lot of trigger I, I like that movie. But I haven't it's, seen it, it's, but, from yes, a, but, yeah. but it's just like trigger warning the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's delicately done, but um, it's rough for, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely it's trigger warning. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Jack A. Draper, on Letterboxd, Jack A. Draper. Uh, my writing on film is out the best and hassle. This movie is available for free at on Tubi Canopy. and on Pluto TV and Canopy. Um, many places it's available. Somehow we're we're saying like, oh, so you know, we got Second Life through Netflix, and it's no longer there. But plenty of other places. Um, next episode, we have. I, I don't think we announced Apes yet. I don't on think. The, yeah, we, on well, Twitter we did. On here no, we have we. Are announcing Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes with Aaron Cassis and Carly Gomes returning guests from Hit Factory. Um, we, I, I've, you know, I feel like I, I, it's, it's the movies I've, I've always wanted to see, and for now, like getting to this, this episode together has been very exciting. Um, Clay is has been training an orangutan for this occasion uh which is interesting peaches. you're renting my an orangutan's name the peaches. Pod. so i would i would love if uh-huh. he actually called it by uh-huh. its name not just it like just I, say the orangutan i apologize peaches will be here for the pod peaches has a lot of things a lot of things yeah, yeah. <laughs> peaches has a lot of strong feelings um everyone can follow me at birds of clay on twitter and on letterboxd you can follow me at Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars on any podcast platform you listen to us on to. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, share us with a friend. Retweet. Run up in the middle of the street. Wear a top hat. Do a little dance. Say and say boo, and then say hey. Go listen to Exiting Through the 2010s, then run away. Um, and this as every as always, be good to yourselves. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2010s. Mm-hmm.